You're listening to Telltales, true stories by everyday sailors. Hi, my name's Andy Rice, and today we're going to bring you some fun little stories from the sea. Quantum Sail's Julie Davidson was at the Newport Boat Show, where she caught up with some interesting people with a good tale to tell. Now, our first story is from Margaret Swanson from Newport, Rhode Island. And as Margaret's about to share with us, it's amazing who you can bump into when you put on your bikini for a swim in the Caribbean. I was down in the uh, U.S. Virgin Islands, I believe it was 1980, probably 81, and it was January, and uh, I was working as a crew chef on a 67-foot Alden motor sailor that hailed from Plymouth, Massachusetts, summered in Newport and wintered in Charlotte O'Malley, St. Thomas. So myself and my captain uh, were waiting for clients to come down. We had nothing to do, so we decided we were going to get a little mischievous. <laughs> so we took the boat around the corner from Charlotte Amali over to St. John, dropped a hook at Canal Bay, and um, Donald, the captain, announces, he says, oh, you know, I need to, I said, do you want to, let's go snorkeling in the cay. And he said, oh, I got to work on the engine. So I said, well, I'm going to go. So I put on my, he goes down to the engine room, I put on my bikini and uh, flip-flops, uh, um, uh, flippers and my snorkel gear, fall off the stern of the boat, and go swimming in, uh, go on the ship. There's not a soul around. I go snorkeling for, I don't know, maybe half an hour or so, and I was got out of the water. I'm laying on the beach sand. There was no one there. <laughs> and uh, it not, I'm no, okay it doesn't. I'm okay with that. This it is just so amazing. It's just, it sounds it's beautiful. just amazing. It sounds gorgeous. Uh, I'm like, oh, I'm it's, that. <laughs> it was absolutely amazing. And you're part of this story, by the way. So, <laughs> so I was on the, on the beach all by myself, or so I thought. I had my, uh, I was lying on my back, I had my eyes closed, and you can still see shadows across your eyes sure. when your eyes are closed. So I see this big shadow, and I thought, oh, it's a big cloud, but I, I said, there, there's no clouds today. So <laughs> I said, then I got a little bit frightened, and I realized that there was either a big bird or a something. So I opened my eyes, and I'm lo- lying on my back, looking straight up, and what do I see but a man in a trench coat, just like... Um, Columbo would wear in the detective <laughs> series on TV. I'm thinking, a trench coat? It's like 95 degrees out here, and this guy has a trench coat on and a top hat. And I saw a wire, like you're holding right now, uh-huh. coming from his ear down to his uh, jack, uh, coat uh-huh. pocket. Of course, by this point, I'm getting really scared. Yeah. This was all happening happened in about 10 seconds. <laughs> and the first thing he said to me was, Miss, Miss, it's okay. Um, <laughs> I, he said, no one's going to hurt you. And I'm thinking, okay, that's good. That's what they always so, say. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> and I'm thinking, well, but this guy, what a weirdo, is in a yeah. trench coat. I thought, well, maybe he's going to, like, abduct me or something. But he assured me I was going to be okay. And he said, he goes, now, he goes, this is probably going to be hard for you to believe. But he said... I'm actually a Secret Service agent. And I'm like thinking, oh yeah, right, buddy. Sure, yeah, sure you are. And he said, no, really. And he said, and I will show you my credentials. He said, I'm going to reach into my, um, inside of my coat, and I'm going to show you. So sure enough, he goes like this, and he had the whole ID and everything. And he said, now, there are two more Secret Service agents. He said, if you look to your left, because the, the K went like this. And I'm in the middle. He goes, if you look to your left, there's a path. And he said, there's an agent there. And he was dressed similarly. And he said, now look to the right, and there's another agent up there. And there was two paths coming down the side. And he said, 
In about five minutes, the former president of the United States, Jimmy Carter, <laughs> and his wife and daughter are going to be coming down that path. They're vacationing here and they're staying in the house on the hill. And he said, they're coming down here to snorkel. So I said, well, do you need me to, to leave? And he goes, no, no, just if you can just move over there. <laughs> and I said, well, uh, I'm from that boat. And he stopped me and he said, I know who you are. I know who, who owns the boat. And he said, I know who the captain is. He said, I know everything that we need to know. I said, okay, okay. So, and I thought, well, I could swim back to the boat. But I thought, you know what, I'm not going to miss this opportunity that actually snorkeled with ex-president Jimmy Carter. Yeah. And his family all by myself. So I went over there and I went under the water and I'm sure enough they come down the hill, the three of them, followed by a donkey, which I thought was a donkey. The donkey's gonna go snorkeling. So he comes down, he goes in, they all go in the water, I go under, I'm just I wasn't interested in the fish anymore. I'm interested nope. in the first family. And I was like under the water thinking I can't document this. That we had no cell phones in yeah, those days. Yeah. I mean, nobody's ever going to believe me. And here I am, <laughs> snorkeling with Jimmy Carter. There's Jimmy Carter. And, well, there's there's Ro that's Rosalind, and oh, there's little Amy. And I was like, this Aww. is the coolest thing that has ever so happened awesome. to me. <laughs> and so then, sure enough, they they snorkel for about a half an hour. I'm I'm you know just paddling around, and they finally left. Went back up the hill. The donkey followed them up. The three secret search. I have no idea. <laughs> I don't know. The Republic, uh, the Democratic yeah, Party. I don't they know. Take it, very it's, it was the mascot. Yeah, right. So they go, they all go up the hill and they all disappear. And I was like, was that? Did that really just happen? So, so I go back in the water. I swim back to the boat. Donald's still in the engine. I said, Donald, you are not going to believe what just happened. And I, he's looking at me like incredulously, like, yeah. Um, did you have a rum drink before you went? I went, no, it really happened. I said, see what you missed? You could, it could have been you out there. Is this me. Donald? Yes. No, this oh, no, is Donald. no, this is my my brother-in-law. Oh, so okay. then, to bring you into the story, the next morning, that's when uh, we I was sleeping in the um, in the stateroom and I had the hatch open and I hear this put 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 but no, we're still in Canal Bay, nobody around. Yeah. Put 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 and I put my head. It's like eight o'clock in the morning. Stick my head out of the hatch and I hear this person going, Pago. Go, go! That's what then my family call me. I uh -huh. thought, somebody's calling my name? Nobody knows me in Canale Bay. <laughs> yeah. And it turns out to be this guy coming from Red Hook. We were were you coming from? 41. Yeah, you were coming from Red Hook, right? We were already anchored. Right? <laughs> so they're, they're, they're like riding around the boat. Oh, that was so thinking, funny. What a small world story that was. That's awesome. It was just the craziest two days that I ever had in the Virgin Islands. Now, a great bowman, or bow woman in this case, always puts the team before her peanut butter and jelly sandwich. My name is Laura Beigel. I'm from Annapolis, Maryland. And uh, my story is about the life of a bow person. <laughs> uh, basically, it comes down to putting your priorities last, as cliche as that sounds. Um, but one of the most funny examples is I was at Lightning Worlds at Buffalo Canoe Club in 2015, and I had fed the other two crew members. I had readied the boat for the next race, and they started the they started the sequence a little bit sooner than I had expected. And I had not eaten yet, and I get really hangry, <laughs> so <laughs> like really hangry. Um, so I pulled out a sandwich, and I didn't have all that much time to eat it, so I rolled it up in a ball and put. The <laughs> Put the whole thing in my mouth. 
<laughs> and we tacked like immediately after the start and I almost choked on it because I had to go from like fully hiking to tacking to fully hiking on the other side with a mouthful of an entire peanut butter and jelly sandwich. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Um, but nobody knew that I was choking on a sandwich, so I guess I did it with grace. <laughs> now, you've heard the term, sail your proper course, right? Well, that's what this next one's about. Lowell Thomas from Jamestown, Rhode Island, owns up to his navigating error. going to talk about the uh, Figali race, which I won um, maybe 15 years ago. I had a uh, Sweden 36 uh, called Engelin named after a bar in Stockholm. And um, I had an all-girl crew. And, um, and uh, we uh, you know, left um, Hyannis and, uh, and raced to, uh, to Nantucket. Um, it's uh, one of those rolling starts. Um, and there were, I guess, five different courses you could have sailed, uh, depending on your class. So uh, we, um, we finished the race, and uh, the gun goes off, and we're looking around to see who else might have uh, won, and uh, we were the only boat crossing at that time, uh, and so uh, we figured we won. And, um, and then, uh, so we sailed in the Nantucket Harbor, waited about a couple hours, and they put up their uh, results, and uh, we were there as the winner of our class. And so we went out and celebrated, and uh, had a really good time, and, uh, and then uh, woke up the next morning with somebody... Uh, knocking on the, the bulkhead of uh, my boat, and uh, they're saying, uh, uh, you know, you won the race yesterday. And I said, uh, yeah, that was great. And he goes, well, what course did you sail? And I said, well, I, cord- I sailed uh, course C. And uh, he goes, well, you're supposed to sail course D, <laughs> and that course was uh, four miles longer than the course you sailed. No, no. So um, I go, okay, no big deal. Yeah, we had a good party, and uh, I left it at that. And, um, and then... Um, the guy came back about three hours later and said, we want you to come to the award ceremony anyway. And, um, and I thought about that, and I, uh, and I decided that I didn't really want to make a fool out of myself, so I didn't go to the award ceremony. But anyway, they, uh, they gave me the Navigator's Award. Nice. So that was, my, um, that was my little Figali story. The next story is from Evan Gregory, and it's a story about how too much is never enough. As far as his coach, Ken Legler, is concerned, there's never an excuse not to go sailing. We're up at Mystic Lake one time, which is Tufts' home port. And this is after they built the new pavilion, but before they got the new larks. And Ken Legler is, uh, likes sailing a lot and will push his team through anything. And their boats, the larks that they had, were wicked old at that point. And so we had a team race there one fall. And so we all go out. And it's usually Mystic Lake has three to five knots, but it's on this day it was more like 15. But the way the larks work, they've got way too much sail area, they got a carbon fiber mask, so there's not enough, or there's way too much power. And we're all dinghy sailors, so right. we all weigh like 150 pounds each. And soaking wet. <laughs> yeah, right, exactly. Well, on this Wish day, we, we were all soaking wet. And so we had broken a lot of boats, um, masts cut in half, and, and all things shattering all over the place. And I'm, I'm in an offset. I'm standing on the shore. And they had called Kenny. He was down at Harvard for a championship or something like that and they're like should we keep sailing because we're breaking boats here and he's like sail until you have no more boats and we're <laughs> like alright alright this is your your home port here and uh, I'm standing on the shore 
and this is just between sets. We're waiting to see the wind's shifting. They're changing marks. And there's a lark coming in. I forget what team it was. But just on on a nice, easy reach. Easy, you know, they're still planing. But <laughs> um, they're they're reaching across, getting ready to set up. And, a, and you can see the puff come down on the water. And the mass just shears in half. Absolutely in half, right? Maybe like two feet above the... Um, What's it called? The partners. Two feet above the partners. It just shears in half, and the whole and everything shifts, and the sa- the sailors on board don't quite spot it at first because it would only move like three inches, and it hadn't collapsed yet. And but the boat slows down. They're like, "What is going on?" And they realize, and they turn downwind, and then just the whole rig just crumples and falls into the water. And they're like, "All right, well, I guess uh, we're done for the day." And now we're out of boats. <laughs> no, nope, they raced another three races. Now, our next tale teller refuses to reveal his identity so that he can spill the beans without incriminating himself. Not sure how well that's going to work, though. Distinctive voice, distinctive story. I'm not willing to give up my name so I can be more colorful with my stories. <laughs> I, I got 17 Bermuda races under my belt with numerous extremely qualified sailors. I've got... Uh, Three victories, a first and a second in fleet, and a third in fleet. Lots of stories. But I'm going to give you the most recent story, sailing with a crowd of youths. I was their theoretical supervisor. A lot of good I did. The boat, Dan? Can't give you the name of the boat. <laughs> okay, the name of the boat was Miracle. <laughs> and you were the boat dad. <laughs> I was the boat dad. We got off uh, Ida Lewis, ran the race course. We got off the starting line after they had to adjust the race course with a rather massive 90-degree wind shift. Maybe it was 120. Nonetheless, we beat out the, uh, out the mouth of the harbor, quickly taking a commanding position in front of all but one. Irie was a slightly it was a 55-footer to our 45 feet, and she was a quicker boat through the water. Even under the conditions, as the wind built, she extended. Although she wasn't able to uh, build enough of a lead to correct out. The smaller boats in our group were not quite the right dimensions for the conditions, giving us opportunity to leg out on them, get into a superior position, and extend. We rounded the first mark in in a handsome second-place position in the fleet, and then ourselves and I re-extended as we ran, as we, again, uh, close-hauled it to Buzzards Bay Tower. <laughs> Curiously, we take a 180-degree turn and continue to have the same configuration of light one-up as we head out to Montauk Point. Uh, fortunately, Ida Lewis had decided to give us a short distance for, uh, rather than the long distance, so we only had to cover 126 miles, as I recall very considerate of them we are extending handsomely throughout the race uh couldn't have asked for a better circumstance we got a couple of the kids driving the boat doing a handsome job i take i had a confident moment head down below to leave the boys to their play that's where it all goes wrong (laughs) that's what kim said that's where it all goes wrong We come up an hour early. I'm not sleeping particularly well. I was kind of faking in my bunk, just giving him some confidence. Nights, nightfall has just come across us. 
curiously, we're coming into a large fleet of fishing boats in between Block Island and Montauk. I later find out that there's a great white nursery there. I think these boys were fishing for stripers, though. We're moving through this, this has, has defined race, uh, fishing fleet, numerous of them anchored up. One of the boys had uh, underestimated the two and a half knots of current moving us left to right. Our friend, the fisherman, I affectionately call him friend, I'm not sure he calls us a friend, was innocently enjoying a few Budweiser's and uh, aggressively fishing whatever he was fishing for. Uns unknowingly, unsuspectingly, on comes a 44-foot race boat who's completely consumed with speed, not fishing. On a different occasion, I have a different attitude about fishing. Our friend, sitting there innocently enjoying his Budweiser, suddenly started hearing us hail him, move, move, move your boat, we're racing. The gentleman's anchored up. And he responds, I'm at anchor. The helmsman, a bit green, unfortunately, had misinterpreted from the bow wake the boat puts off base built from the current to have the boat underway. Seconds later, he realized she was anchored and attempts to divert course to miss the anchor line, which is aggressively set out with a rather shallow angle down to the bottom. He must have had 500 feet of scope. <laughs> Two minutes later, we're hooked up. <laughs> At the time, I'm told we had somewhere in the neighborhood of a 30-minute lead on the nearest competition. An hour later, the lead is gone. Oh, and we're off the anchor line. <laughs> and you ask him for a button. In my... 30 plus years of racing, I've sent no one overboard to unfoul an anchor line. In a five mile stretch, I sent three people over to unfoul an anchor line. One was ours and one was theirs. Did I mention we were snorkeling in what a newly discovered great white nursery? The hour was 9 p.m. The visibility was zero. It was sketchy. We made it. Just in case you were wondering, the Great Whites didn't get any dinner that day. You'll be relieved to hear. Now, we sailors don't mind getting wet, but we really don't like having to dive below the surface. Sometimes, though, a man's got to do what a man's got to do. In 2011, I was in uh, the Med doing some sailing and did the middle sea, middle sea race in Malta. And it was probably like the most awkward thing that I've ever done and I wish it was caught on camera. Um, our boat was med moored, you know, so basically the bow, well, reverse med moored, the bow was towards the pier and the stern was anchored and we were using our dinghy as sort of like a little bridge to get out to the bow of the boat and so I leaned over at one point after doing a little bit of emailing and things at the yacht club to get into the dinghy and uh, went to pull it towards me and some change started falling out of my pocket and you know 
Maltz is part of Euro, so you know there's those two Euro coins with which I had a few in my pocket, and though those things are valuable, so I kind of scrambled to try to stop them from coming out of my pocket. Um, and it was at that point that I, as I leaned over, dropped my sunglasses, which were hanging on my shirt, into the water, which are you know exactly worth more than the euros that I had in my pocket. So I, 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 I panicked, and as I saw them going into the water, I thrust my arm into the water after them and didn't grasp them, but just pushed them further into the water. So I leaned in farther, at which point my backpack, which was on my back, with my laptop computer in it, flipped over my shoulders. And as I reached up to try to stop my backpack from flipping over, I took my hand, which was stabilizing myself on the dock, off the dock, and managed to go headfirst into the water with my backpack coming over my back. Uh, and at this point, I had fallen into the water. I've got one arm trying to keep my backpack out of the water above the water. And I think my feet tangled up in some dock lines. And uh, so sunglasses, camera, laptop, you know, all at, in, at, at risk here. Um, so eventually, my laptop was okay. It had like a padded backpack, which helped it float as well. Um, and I was able to, the next day after the sun came up, dive down, and because the water's a little clearer than it is here at the moment, dive and get my sunglasses. Um, at which point I took all of the change in my pocket and threw it into the ocean. Uh, <laughs> Never again. Sacrifice to Neptune. Good advice from Seth there. Always pay your respects to the sea gods. Now we'll finish off with a story from a self-confessed landlubber who discovered he liked messing around in boats a lot more than he thought he ever would. I'm Bill McDaniel, and I'm, uh, I'm with Sombrella Fabrics, and uh, one of our customers is North Sales in uh, Connecticut, right? Mm -hmm. So we were visiting with him last summer, and, and it was on Wednesday, so his yacht club has a regatta on Wednesday evenings, and he invited us to come out and crew and be a part of the whole event. So I'm not a sailor. I do love the concept of sailing. I can generally do what people tell me to do but and not get in the way. But So I'd never done this before. So we, we were all excited, three of us from the company. So we go out that evening, get underway. We get out into the uh, course proper. And basically, I, I, my, my responsibility was uh, sheeting. Um, was to sheet the sail, the skirt the sail, the skirt the sail. See, I don't even know what that is, but okay. they, so I, but I knew what I was supposed to do yeah. at the proper time, and I had some responsibility on the winch. So, uh, I, unbeknownst to me, the the sail, the race actually starts as we're out there tacking around. I'm thinking we're just having a really good time when the horn blows and you you collect the wind and you get underway, right? So that that happened, and I'm standing there. The, uh, the sail uh, fills up boat hills, and I'm on the wrong side of the hill. So I start tumbling across the deck and caught the last lifeline before I go over the side of the boat. So they're all laughing. They're laughing at me. And uh, by the end of the evening, by the time it was over with, I was cut, lacerated, scrapped up, scraped on my back, and had the best time of my life. Didn't know what I was doing, but it was fun. Well, I hope you enjoyed those telltales from Newport, and we'll be back to you with some more very soon. We've got lots more fun things for you on the Quantum Sales website, including a bunch of great tips and tricks by the experts. So please do head on over to quantumsales.com. You can also follow us on Facebook and Instagram. That's it from me this week, but I look forward to bringing you more telltales from the sailing world very soon. <laughs>